Alright everybody, today's episode is on Jonathan Travolta Williams. His name is John Towner Williams. Quiet on set, and action! Hello everyone and welcome to season 2 of Action. We hope you enjoyed the new year and have had a good month so far. We're recording this on New Year's Eve and um... I was really confused for a second. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) Happy 2023! (laughs) (laughs) That feels wrong. How many of you have already said, this is gonna be my year? (laughs) I haven't said it. I'm not gonna lie to myself like that. Neither am I. (laughs) (laughs) I'm setting my expectations low. And I'm going to Disney World, but I'm not going to say that to myself. That'll It'll probably end up in flames if I do it, that. You will jinx it. You will end up jinxing oh, it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Kay. Anyways, for our first episode of Season 2, we are talking about John Williams and his life and how he came to be probably the greatest composer in all of Hollywood in ever. One of the greatest composers. Definitely One the of. most well-known, but I don't... Personally, I don't think he's, like, the greatest composer. I enjoy what he composes, but I'm also a massive Harry Potter fan, so... And by being a massive Harry Potter fan, you're also a massive Home Alone fan, because those sound really Really similar. Really similar, yeah. Enough so that I was confused when Home Alone came on in the car. I like, literally, as we were watching the movie, I knew we were watching Home Alone 2 or something like that. But then the score comes. But then the score comes, and I was like... Who switched it to Harry Potter? Which is completely valid for the holidays. All of them could be Christmas mm-hmm. movies. Yep. But I was really confused because I thought we were watching Home Alone. And they're both directed by Chris Columbus. They are. At least the first couple. The first of them. couple yeah. of the Harry Potter. Anyways, John Williams, do you want me to I'll do the first little bit of like where All he right. was born and they grew up. Alright. John Williams. John Towner Williams. His full name was born February 8th, 1932. He's currently 90 years old, and he was born in New York City in the United States of America. He turns 91 in a couple days. I don't know about any of y'all, but John Williams dying is on my 2023 bingo card. I'm leaving that in. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, what else do you want me to talk about, like, with his early life? Because I really couldn't find much of anything. Uh, Here. Oh, you found a lot more than nothing. All right. He was born and raised in New York. His parents are John and Esther Williams. He is the oldest of four children. His father was a movie studio musician who also worked as a CBS radio percussionist. He started taking piano lessons at a young age, around six. His family is a very like musically inclined family, which is part of the reason why I didn't find a whole ton about his younger life, because he's yeah. kind of a nepotism child. Yeah. And so but- I was like, that's kind of boring. <clears throat> Jonathan. Yeah, and I think I think everyone in his family played at least one instrument. Yeah. He learned how to play multiple by the time he was in his teens. Which is impressive. I'm yeah. not I'm not discounting that. But I'm saying as far as like struggles go and becoming like famous and everything and as big as he is, nepotism child. <laughs> <laughs> um later he learned how to play the trumpet, trombone, and clarinet. In his teens, he began to write his own music and orchestrate his own pieces. Again, kind of like Steven Spielberg with his own, like, directing his own movies from a very young age. And Nolan doing shorts from a young age. Not super young, but, but yeah, but younger. Younger. 
1948, he moved to L.A. with his family. He attended North Hollywood High School and graduated in 1950. Is it weird that 1932 and 1950 are only 18 years apart? Because that, that math ain't mathin' for me. I mean, I know it's right, but... It just doesn't add it up doesn't in your feel, head when you... It doesn't, doesn't feel, feel right. Real. I know, I know, 32 and 50 are only 18 apart, but it feels weird. It just, it makes sense, but it doesn't make yeah. sense. It's one of those weird things. Yeah. Maybe it was just because, the like, the 1930s was, like, the depression, like, the Great Depression and everything, and then and the 1950s so is kind of like a, like a boom. Yeah. And it doesn't seem as long ago <clears throat> as it was. Yeah. All right. After high school, he wanted to focus on a pro career in music and enrolled at UCLA, where he began to studying composition with Mario Castelnova Tedesco, I think is how you say it. He's an Italian composer. And took courses in orchestration in 1951 or 52. Um, either one. Both could be right. Both could be wrong. I'm just kidding. One or the, Wait, I want to talk other. about his Air Force years. Do it. I thought this was really cool. In 1951 or 52, he I, I saw a few different sources, and they had they had different years on him. Most of them had 51 or 52, so I'm not 100% sure. And even in the interview, he himself said 1951 or 52, so... Maybe that's where they got their sources, because... Yeah. He was drafted into the U.S. Air Force... And he did basic training at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. And then after that, he was stationed... Well, I don't think right after that, but later he was stationed at the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona, after he requested to join a military band. And while he was in Arizona, he was able to enroll in classes at the University of Arizona. They they let a couple of... They let a lot... He said he, they let a lot of the, I guess, kids... They let a lot of the kids do that to get classes and stuff done while they were training and serving. And after he served in Arizona, he was sent to St. John's Newfoundland in Labrador in Canada. He spent two years there as a pianist and brass double, and there he also wrote for the chorus. So he was like a big guy in the Air Force band. And he pretty much made it into what it is today. Like, even today, the Air Force band plays things that he wrote, and he's just a big figure in the Air Force band region, area, thing. (laughs) I don't know much about the Air Force band. I just know he was, he's very big there. Anyways, Williams and his band, they conducted a short film for the Newfound- for Newfoundland with Atlantic Films, and they obviously got permission to do this from their commander. Um, it was like a promotion for Newfoundland. Is that an area in Canada? Newfoundland? No, that's- it's, it was- it said Newfoundland. Yes, it's pronounced Newfoundland. It is? Yes. I've been saying it wrong this whole time and you didn't tell me. I was waiting for a time to tell you. I'm so wow. sorry. How rude. It is a real place. It's pronounced Newfoundland. Well, I didn't doubt it was a real place. <laughs> you let me say it wrong for like four minutes now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I needed to give the people something to laugh at that wasn't John Travolta. Jonathan Travolta. Williams, that is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Uh, Williams credits the Air Force for advancing his musical education, and after he finished his service in the Air Force, which was in 1954-55, again, sources said different things. 
he returned to New York to attend the Juilliard School of Music, and while he was at Juilliard, he worked as a jazz pianist in nightclubs and on recordings and and studied under Madame Rosina Levine? Levine. I don't Levine? know. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that would be my guess. She is a... Or was. I don't know if she's... She's a famed Russian pianist. She's dead now. She's dead? She was born in the 1800s. She was a famed Russian pianist. She died in 1976. Hmm. Yes. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. So in 1956, after he'd finished his education at Juilliard, he moved back to L.A., where he married his first wife, Barbara Ruick, in 1956, and she passed away in 1974. Six years later, in 1980, he remarried Samantha Winslow, and he has three kids, who I do believe are from his first marriage. All Wikipedia says is three children, including Joseph. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> Including Joseph. Who's Joseph? <laughs> what What did he do that made Wikipedia think he, we he all was... needed to know his name but not the other two? Three, including Joseph. I kid you not, that's all that... Wikipedia. So one of them's name is Joseph Williams. That's all I know. The other two, we don't know. They could be dead by... For all I know. They could, uh, they could actually be dead. I don't... I don't need to say that. They could... Wikipedia's being vague. <laughs> <laughs> This is the part where I start thinking that he's just that good and maybe st- sold, sold his soul so that he never had to go through any trials or whatever with his, you know, his yeah. career. All right. In 1956, he also began getting jobs in the Hollywood film studios as a pianist. Um, during this time, he also worked with accomplished composers. Bernard. That's a first and last name? Yes. Bernard Herman. Unfortunate. Two R's, two N's. Bernard Herman, Alfred Newman, and Franz Waxman. <laughs> he helped orchestrate cues for their material. Um, they encouraged him to focus on his own writing, and he scored low-budget films. Um, and his big break came in the late 50s mm-hmm. with musical opportunities for television. Some of his first TV performances um, are playing a famous riff in Henry Man- Mancini's Peter Gunn theme. Also, more than 200 episodes in the detective series Johnny Staccato, Alcoa premiere, etc. Yeah, there was a lot. Mm. Later, he began focusing on composition for review studios, TV <laughs> productions, arm of what Universal. Are you doing? <laughs> I f- just feel like you're gonna stick a pen in my mouth. I don't have a pen! Fuck! <laughs> 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 Um, William's first film composition was for the Newfoundland short film created in 1954. His first feature film composition was in 1958 for a low-budget film, Daddy-O. His first screen credit was two years later in 1960 in Because They're Young. Oh, I do have something to say about that screen credit. I did buy, well, I got a seven-day free trial for whatever you have to get to watch Daddy-O on Amazon Prime, and I watched only the credits, and I want to say that John Williams' name is in the credits. So, technically, that would be his first credit. But if you look at all the sources, they say otherwise. But his name is in the the credits of Daddy-O. So, I'm gonna say, unofficially, that his first credit's in Daddy-O. Just because his name is in the credits. 
Like, how can you be uncredited if your name's in the credits? That doesn't make sense to me. Because obviously you were credited. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. And maybe it was edited and his name was added later. I'm not 100% sure, but his name is there. Mm -hmm. Moving on. He penned as many as 39 scores a year with his contract under Review Studios, which is 20 to 25 minutes of music a week, which, when you think about it, is kind of a kind lot. Of a lot. Williams didn't learn about movie and TV in a formal way. He learned about it by observing the methods of the people he worked with, like Frank Waxman and Bernard Herrmann. And while he was just starting to get into film, he was still working in TV, writing and composing for film in whatever time he could find between all the projects he was working on, because he was very busy. Honestly, he's always been very busy. Um, in the 1960s, one film project he found time for in his busy TV schedule was Prelude and Fugue? Can't read my own handwriting. Fudge. Yeah. I think it says Fugue. Prelude and Fugue. For the first half of the 60s, he was composing for things like Gidget Goes to Rome and Bachelor Flat, and for the second half of the 60s, he started getting more offers to work on movies, scoring things like The Killers, The... Plainsman, and he did less and less of TV as he got, as he went further along in his work and through time. Mm -hmm. And it was around that time that he started to dedicate his career path to movies, is when he started getting more offers for movies and started working less on TV shows. In 1968, he had his first major success when he got his first Academy Award nomination for his work in Valley of the Dolls. Is that a movie or a TV show? Will IMDb it. It's a movie. Cool. And in 1972, he won his first Academy Award for his work on Fiddler on the Roof. In 1974, he teamed up with Spielberg for the first time to work on Sugarland Express, at the time of this, Spielberg was in his 20s and Williams was in his 40s. Wait. I'm sorry. Say that last one again. When they were doing Sugarland Express, uh -huh. Spielberg was in his 20s. Williams was in his 40s. Okay, so he was already old in the 70s. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that man's been alive for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, not old, old, but like... That's you twice know, our that's, age. That's when little kids look at you and go, you're old, when you tell them you're 40. <laughs> you're so old. I guess we must be little kids then. Little, even smaller children. I've had a child, I've heard a child look at somebody who was in like 40, their 40s or 50s and tell them they were ancient. Ooh. Yeah. Sucks to suck, I guess. Kids are brutal. They are. Anyways... After they did Sugarland Express, the two of them continued to team up for many future projects, including Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters of the Third Ta Kind, almost said time, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, e among many, many more. Didn't it say that he had done all but like three of Spielberg's movies? I think so. He's done a lot with Spielberg. And Spielberg has done a lot. Yeah. You'll know how much he's done if you go back to our first season and listen to our third episode, which is about Steven Spielberg. For <clears throat> Jaws, E.T., and Schindler's, he won Academy Awards for the best original score for all three of them. Well, makes sense. And Spielberg was also the one who introduced Williams to George Lucas. All of those three should form a club. They probably have a club. They probably do. 
They should all work on a movie together. Have they? They have. They have. Indiana Jones. Right. That's right. (laughs) And George Lucas also became someone that Williams frequently works with. He began working with Lucas in 1977 with Star Wars. And that also won him a Best Original Score Academy Award. He's won a lot. While we're talking about awards... I did learn that he is the second most nominated person for awards, first being Walt Disney. I'm not even surprised that Walt's the first. I'm not, but that just goes to show how many awards that they that he's been nominated for. I do want to see how many Walt has won now, though, <clears throat> or been nominated for. More than John Williams. It's gotta yeah. be a lot. Williams is known for his work in film and TV, and though that's what he's known for... That didn't stop him from pursuing other interests. Um, he's composed symphonies and many concerts, including a bassoon concerto that was premiered by the New York Philharmonic in 95, 1995, that is, and a cello concerto that was premiered by Yo-Yo Ma and the Boston Symphony Orchestra in 1994, among many more, which I didn't really know until, like reading about it that he'd actually done compositions independently of film and tv yeah neither did i he's done a lot (laughs) he has and i would have listed more but the list of concertos and stuff that he's done that was also very long so it sounds like the guy just really likes making music and he just happens to be good at it and so he's famous for it pretty much yeah because i don't know i like doing photography and being paid to do it and then doing it for fun on the side just of my own work, I would be so exhausted. And that's not composing music. That's not creating things out of literal thin air. But I would be so tired. I don't know how this man does it. Music is literally his life. It literally is. Like, it's been his entire life. Literally his entire life. Mm -hmm. He grew up in a family where music was pretty much everything. And he was thrown into it in every area of his life, including the military, which... How does that even happen? He's, he volunteered for it. He signed up for that. Okay, he well, asked to go be part of the band. I don't know how you can love something that much. I don't know about you, but would you be able to do something, like, so much that it consumes your work life and your free time and any time you have spare and everything? probably not. <clears throat> I would literally throw up at the thought of that thing after just a few months of doing that. Yeah. I have to have other things to do, or I get bored of the things I love doing, if that's all that I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, he did what he wanted. He and still he's does. very successful. He's still going. He's still working. You think when they when he dies, and they do, like, an autopsy on him, and they inevitably save his brain in the Smithsonian basement or whatever... All that's going to be in there is music notes? Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to, like, cut it up, his skull open. It's just going to spill out in bass clefs and treble clefs. <laughs> it's going to be a score about his life. It, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. The only question is, who's going to play it? I don't know. I thought I could come up with a joke about it, but I couldn't. I had nothing. We could do it with kazoos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll honor John Williams. He'd probably come back and smack us for it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. Um, in 1980, he replaced Arthur Fiedler. Yeah. 
as conductor of the Boston Pops until December of 1993, and he served as a guest conductor for many major orchestras, including the London Symphony Orchestra and the Cleveland Orchestra and the Philadelphia Orchestra and many more. That list was also very long. long. (laughs) Uh, Williams has earned honorary doctorate degrees from... Um, in music from at least 14 American universities. And as of the end of the 1990s, he had 35 Academy Award nominations and he won 50, 50, that's five. That says five. He won five Oscars, uh, four BAFTAs, 16 Grammys, and three Golden Globes. Today, he has composed music for at least 117 movies. As of now. Yeah. As of the day we're recording this on December 31st, 2022. He's been nominated for 52 Academy Awards. Of those, he has won five. He has been nominated for six Emmys, of which he's won three. He's been nominated for 16 BAFTAs. Out of those, he's won seven. He's been nominated for 26 Golden Globes, of which he's won four. And he's been nominated for 81 Grammys. Okay, wait. I have a question. Yes. It says three Golden Globes here and four here. No, that's in nineteen in the nineties. He'd won three. Oh. As of now, he's won four. four, and he's been nominated for eighty-one Grammys. Let that sink in for a minute. He won thirty-three of them. How do you win that many? Th- that's almost half. Do you want to see the total number of things he's won and been nominated for? She has IMDb ready. I do. He's won <clears throat> two hundred two awards. And he's been nominated for 359 of them. Okay, a nomination and a win, like, that goes together, right? Yeah. So he's won more than half of his of yes. his nominations. He has. This man is just, this is just a game to him at this point. It's gotta be. And I went through this beforehand so we didn't have to read it and just wrote all of those down. Is it? So we didn't have to go through it. I don't know what he won them for. I don't really want to go through it because I feel like that would take forever. It would, and we don't have that we much don't time. Have forever. But he's just cruising, mm-hmm. doing what he loves, and winning everything for it. Can we call him a savant now? Probably because I don't know anybody else who can do stuff this well, and you know, keep doing it for so long. And seemed to have no problem with it whatsoever. And dude's 90 and still going. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize he was 90. He's the fifth Indiana Jones. Yeah. He's doing the score for that, and that comes out in June. Didn't he say, hang on. I think. Yeah, the fifth Indiana Jones is set to come out in June of 2023. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, um, I read something interesting. Hang on, I'm gonna find it. Uh, okay, Wikipedia says this, so I don't take it with... A grain of salt. Yeah, because everybody can add to Wikipedia. In June 2022, Williams announced that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth and final Indiana Jones film scheduled for a 2023 release, would likely be his last film score as he plans to retire from film and focus on composing concert music. This has been an episode on John Travolta. Jonathan Travolta Williams. John Towner Williams. It's such a boring name. It's such an odd middle name. Towner. Okay, Towner is the only thing interesting about his name. Because John is such a... It's odd. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah. That has been everything that we could find on John Williams. Thank you all so much for listening, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Music. Nope. 
not Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Make sure you check out our videos and our shorts. Go follow us on Instagram. What's our Instagram? ActionPodcast.cs. That's also our TikTok? That's also TikTok, and Twitter is ActionPodcastCS. So go check those out. We post things on there sometimes. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all in the next episode.